All right, here we go. Yeah. One for the money. Two Welcome. For the show. Oh. <laughs> go ahead. Three to get ready. And I'm in suspense. Four to go. <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to make a jokey joke on four. Oh. It was just regular old to go. It was to show. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the show. That would have been better. But Welcome. You know, yeah. Your improv skills are not on today. <laughs> I suck. So, on that note, we will welcome everyone to the PO podcast where Adam and Joe, which is, I'm Joe. I'm Adam. And we're kind of PO'd at the movies. A lot, sometimes. And sometimes. sometimes not a lot. This time, I don't think we're that PO'd. Uh, no, I think this was a great, great, tell you what, whoever uh, suggested the one we're doing this week, <laughs> genius. Of genius. course. Of course, you're going to oh talk yourself up, you retard. <laughs> oh, I thought it was you. Oh, bad. Are we not allowed to use that R word? This is awkward. <laughs> no. Oh. Anyways. so We are this... not so politically correct here on the PO podcast. <laughs> That's right. We don't worry about political correctness. We don't worry about filters. In fact... I'm going to give you a little story about political correctness I might cut out of this podcast, okay? <laughs> I went to Starbucks, and I went in, and they have oh. done the inclusive thing, and they've made both bathrooms unisex. And I walked into the bathroom, and as you might expect, the toilet seat was down and covered with urine. And I thought, women everywhere should be rejoicing at this political correctness going on. <laughs> they should just be so thankful that we're being inclusive, because now they have to sit in urine every time they go to the bathroom. <laughs> you get what you get. And you don't throw a fit. <laughs> it's right. So this week we're going to be talking about the uh, movie from 1992 called Leap of Faith. Starring Steve Martin. Deborah Winger. And the comical and, uh, what is it, actoral genius that is Meatloaf. <laughs> yeah, Meatloaf's great in this movie. <laughs> right? You know? Uh, He's been good in a few things. And we got, this, you know who I totally forgot was in this movie? Uh, Liam Neeson. Liam Neeson. I totally forgot me, he was in this movie. Me, me too. I was like, I know that guy. Yeah, he's I'm like, like, that's Rob Roy. <laughs> <laughs> Don't talk about that movie. I hate that movie. <laughs> you know, he does the whole thing too. He's like, you better watch out, Jonas Nightingale. I've got a certain set of skills. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> it's great. Just threaten him. Uh, uh, that's awesome. I know how to use the Google machine. And find out so, what your real name is. <laughs> so I'm jumping the gun. Yeah. Because as always, we're going to begin this podcast not talking about the movie in question. We will talk about some recommendations from our week, which has actually been two weeks, but you don't know that because of the magic of the internet. La. Ahead, All right. So my recommendations this week, uh, not so much recommendations. It's just kind of what we've been doing. This is us. Have you seen it? Oh my gosh. My wife started Dude. this and, and I'm, I'm, for all those that know me, <laughs> the hi mom, all those <laughs> since the podcast, um, I am what you would call an '80s action kid, right? Sure. So anything that goes away from that, I'm skeptical. I probably won't even start it unless I'm incredibly bored or it's a really high recommendation. You're not big so, on chick flicks. I'm not. Well, I was reading a book while um, Rachel started watching this, and it kind of sucked me in. And the first season, Dude. the first episode was really, it was really oh good. Gosh. I think I cried um, like four times during the first episode. I didn't, I didn't cry, but it was good enough for me to watch the next one and then the next one. I think we're right. three seasons, three episodes in. So that was that was good. So um, And then uh, per my recommendation, one television show and then one movie, um, we watched uh, – what did we watch Friday night? Um, 
a movie. N- new release, new release. Come on, Adam. Oh, that's how good it was. I totally forgot. It must have been great. Um, Who was in it? No, you stop it. You're pressuring me. I can't do it with all the pressure. Um, it's just we watched... just unbutton your shirt. It's fine. No one will know. This is no means no. <laughs> um, Not according to the Domino's Pizza Box. <laughs> Anyways, we watched. <laughs> We watched it with the kids. Star Trek. Mm. Oh, good night. Um, Star we Trek watched, Beyond. Yeah, Star Trek Beyond. And it was all right. It's pretty I good. Loved if, you're it. Star, if you're a Star Trek fan, watch it. You'll really enjoy it. Um, didn't see the twist that was coming, dude. Did not see. Um, oh, that Idris Elba was the guy? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't realize that was him until, like, the video. Right? The ship's log. Right, the ship's log. I didn't know that was him in his uh, in the in the makeup and the 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 you know right. special effects or whatever. So it was pretty good. If you're a Trekkie fan, you'll love it. If you're not a Trekkie fan, you'll like it. So you know, um, yeah, see it. What about you, man? Well, I have to say, I did love Star Trek Beyond. Uh, I recommend that as well. Um, I'm going to mention three things just because I'm like you got that. a one up. You're a one upper. Yeah, yeah. You know, I got to have the last word. Jeez. I do. Okay, me. You? Not you. You. I do. Okay. So anyways, I yeah. watched a movie starring old Ethan Hawke called In a Valley of Violence. Oh, it's a, you it's recommend that. Okay. It's, uh, people aren't going to like it. Well, when you recommended <laughs> it to me, everybody else was like in the valley, and somebody was that in the valley of unoriginality. Right. <laughs> uh, I disagree, man. I liked it because it's like, it starts off totally throwback Western, right? Ethan right. Hawke's even doing a voice, you know? But then, like, it's incredibly realistic in the fact that nobody really wants to kill anybody. And murdering someone is really hard to do, and you don't really want to do it. And it kind of is bad. And it's not like a normal Western where everyone's just shooting everybody. And it's like, yeehaw! It's not like that at all. People are pleading for their life and begging even when they're being tough guys. You know, it's... Nobody... John Travolta's in it, and he does everything he can to stop all the fighting. And, man, it's... They just went a different way with it. Than a normal would you, Western would go. The way the way you're talking about it almost sounds like that's how it really would unfold it in real life. Because we know Westerns aren't really real in the sense Correct. of how they're portrayed on television. It's not the maybe, outlaw Josie Whale slaughtering a town of people. Right, but maybe it is the people that at the, the end when they meet their demise or about to, they are weeping, wailing, gnashing of teeth. Sure. You know? Cool. There's a scene uh, where Ethan Hawke shoots a dude in the face and he falls off a building. And there's this guy in the movie and he's like... He throws his gun on the ground. He's like, I can't do this. He's missing his face. Like, I, I didn't know it would be like this. I thought it'd be a lot cooler than this. It's, this sucks. <laughs> I'm not doing this. Then he immediately gets killed. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So I recommend it, though. I think it's worth a watch. It's not long. I think it's only like hour 30, so you can bust and through it. The Valley of what again? In in a Valley of Violence. The Valley of Violence. Cool. Cool. All right. Cool. Yeah, it's just filled with character actors, and that's good always deal. good to watch, too. Good deal. Uh, the next thing I would like to recommend is the series on Netflix called Dr. Foster. Okay. It is a spiraling, falling apart of a family affected by cheating. Uh, like spousal, gambling? Spousal cheating. Oh, like blue um, chips? <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> Did I mention sports? <laughs> Nick Nolte is great in that film. We should watch Blue Chips. No, we should become what I despise. (laughs) That was really good. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> that was like that was like perfect Nolte from Hulk. That's <laughs> pretty much how he sounds in the movie. I've been yeah. saying that quote for twenty years. I've come what I've despised. That's good. Okay. <laughs> Continue. Maybe next week we'll do blue chips. Let's see. Uh, so, anyways, Doctor Foster is about this lady named Gemma Foster who happens to be a doctor. It's a really clever title. And her husband is banging some other chick, and she knows about it, finds out about it. It's all spiraling out of control. She decide has to make all these decisions. It's not always as cut and dry as the situation looks like. So it's basically life. It's yeah, it's way more real life than you know a Tyler Perry movie might be about gotcha. the same subject. Right. And it 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 like spirals out of control, dude. I mean, it's hard to tell you without like spoiling it for you, but like to the edge. Okay. You know of sanity. Of darkness. And it is really, really quite compelling. Nothing happens in the in the show. There's not like an action piece or anything like it's that. Incredibly boring. It's just it's people talking. It's really hard to watch. You gotta see it. No, man. It is super compelling. And it is, it, oh my gosh. But you would expect it to be super boring. With the amount of stuff that doesn't happen. Yeah. You know, you've seen those episodes of Games of Thrones where you started the episode, you stopped the episode, and you're like, huh, nothing happened. Mm, okay. It's like that, but it's it's actually more compelling because there's so much going on under yeah. the surface of all these characters. Yeah, struggle. Yeah. <laughs> all right, Captain <laughs> Condescension. <laughs> so, Doctor Foster, Doctor Foster, Australian for beer. Sure. I haven't seen that one of those commercials in forever. It's been a long time, buddy. Yes, I think it, they, it might be deemed offensive now, so you can't do it. Oh. <laughs> well, perfect. Oh, I love. <laughs> Love PC culture, but you know, but, just it's just another example too of uh, BBC uh, television shows being really, really good compared to American TV shows. Okay, right. taking a big chance and not making anything happen for a whole hour. <laughs> yet, yet it's still right. it's still good. Mm, cool. So there's that, and the last thing I want to recommend for everybody out there is Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange, Love man, what's with you and the doctors this week, man? You know, Doctor Foster. Doctor Strange? <laughs> it's Mr. Strange. No, it's Doctor I, Strange. You're, you're Doctor Unoriginality, all these doctor stuff. <laughs> I loved it, man. I, I highly recommend it. If you're a fan of the Marvel movies and you like what they do, you're going to love jo- it. Joe was slating this as the best Marvel movie ever done. I said. Be very careful here, Adam. <laughs> okay. I think it's their best made one. What? What? <laughs> It's, it's the it's same crafted. thing. I don't. I liked it. I don't think it's my favorite, but I think it's crafted from beginning to end. It's very, very strong. So, what's your favorite? The script is really strong. They have a nice, a nice twist at the end. How he figures out how to beat the villain is kind of smart. Um, you saw it coming, but you didn't know exactly how. It's really good. Uh, it is constantly funny, and it's really, really well acted. So, so what's your favorite Marvel one then? Winter Soldier. What? Yeah. What? Yeah. What's wrong with you? It's my favorite. Okay. That's cool. Yeah. What's I yours, like buddy? it. My favorite Marvel one? Yeah. I don't have one. I don't. Uh, if I had to pick one, definitely be Hulk. Uh, Marvel I'm hasn't teasing. made a Hulk movie, buddy. I'm teasing. Um, <laughs> my favorite Marvel one. I don't know. That's tough, man. Probably um, Punisher. Also not a Marvel movie. Oh. Um, <laughs> if you're talking about the second season of Daredevil, I'd, I could give you that. Um, Big Hero 6. 
sort of, because it's made by Disney, but also not Marvel. <laughs> You're getting okay. really close. <laughs> I told you I don't have one. I don't know what you want from me. Uh, right. You didn't like Civil War? What do you, what do you, th- what are you thinking? Oh, I, uh, it's definitely not my favorite. I liked it. It was good. Well, which uh, one out of the 12? Anyway, I, I would have picked out of... I, I like Thor better. I like the second okay. Thor better. I like the Avengers better. I like almost all the Iron Mans except for the second one better. I liked the first Captain America... I shouldn't say first Captain America and ooh Ant Man was awesome, really yeah. well done. Um, the second Avengers, oh, comedic genius, man. The the airport scene alone holds probably one of the highest. That's uh, Civil War, buddy. Oh, it was it. Yeah, where they fight at the airport. Civil War. You said Winter Soldier was your favorite, right? But you just yeah. said the second Avengers. I'm sorry. I'm in. <laughs> anyway, so. Um, oh, while we're on this, I have to I have to bring this up. Ghostbusters, yeah. watched it, watched it. What'd you Chris do? Hemsworth is gold. Oh, he's hilarious. Oh my gosh, he's covering it, his eyes. You gotta see, you have got to see Chris Hemsworth's um, portrayal or his uh, his his role in in Ghostbusters. It was amazing. Yes. Oh my gosh, I'm uh, I laughed forever. The movie was pretty good. Was it the original one by No Strict Imagination? It was good. It wasn't what I thought it was going to be. There is a uh, spoiler scene at the end of Doctor Strange. It's the post credit scene, and I'm not going to tell you what happens. But what it seems to be is a chunk out of Ragnarok, the next Thor movie. Oh, it looks awesome. And if it follows the tone that's in the post credit scene, I'm very very happy because it's going to be almost a straight up comedy. Right. And I can't wait. <laughs> all right. So, all right. Oh, man. So, oh. Leap of Faith, 1992's Leap of Faith, Steve Martin. Um, you said you watched it today, correct? Yeah, I did watch it today. And we're both in consensus that uh, it's been way too long since we last seen this film, other than oh, man. watching it recently. I probably haven't watched it since the 90s. And I don't know about it's, you, but I've matured quite a bit since then. It's been my mine was probably early two thousands, sure. probably two thousand two, two thousand three, somewhere around there. I know it was before I was married, but I know it was after high school. Right, world. Perhaps I watched it sometime in that same time period. Perhaps we watched it together. Who knows? All right. So during this podcast, we're going to play a game throughout it. All right. Okay. We're going to see how many times we can subtly put in the term leap of faith. I thought you were going to say aluminum siding. <laughs> no. <laughs> It's a joke from the movie. Yeah, I know. That was a that was that I was, was telling a, the listener hello. That was quite the leap of faith. <laughs> okay, that one doesn't count. Okay, <laughs> I'm going to say it a lot, you know. So we'll see. Right. <laughs> so we got uh, Steve Martin plays a guy named Jonas Nightingale. He's a quote unquote faith healer. He's a huckster, a shyster, a con a, artist, con artist. However you want to say it, snake oil salesman, snake oil smells, and a uh, a flim flam, a jerk. He's a real jerk. Yeah, I'm as, seeing. as Norm Macdonald would say. Yeah, uh, he makes a living traveling around, and he holds these big old tent revivals. I'm sure everyone's heard or seen of them. Um, there's, you know, it's been in TV all over. You've right. actually been to one, whatever. Yeah, Pop tent revivals very big, very big during the you know the '60s, '70s, definitely the '70s and the '80s. Um, tent revivals were pretty big. I'm going to guess bigger in the South and maybe in the Plain states than they are here. Maybe right, they, definitely bigger. I think here, south, of, south of the Mason Dixon. You sure. know, 
Um, I don't think we have to take a very big leap of faith to say that. Oh, uh, yes. I wish I had a, like a bell sound effect. We got to like chalk one up for the Adam Meister. Okay, that was horrible. You call never, yourself Adam Meister, so the next 10 don't count. How about the A-bomb? All right, so oh, a bigger. But I remember growing up. I remember growing up going to revivals, sure. you know. And I was of the Baptist, uh, you know, upbringing after my Right. So you, you saw nothing up- like this. No, not this big. No, <laughs> well, but nothing def- this uh, charismatic either. Exactly. Yeah, definitely not this charismatic because there's a big difference between a Baptist revival and a um, charismatic Pentecostal slash spirit filled revival. Oh, yeah. He goes full Pentecostal, man. Oh, man. Whew. So got- Jonas Nightingale, he's got his uh, production assistant, production manager. I don't know how you exactly would classify her, but she's the one who's pulling all the strings behind the scenes. And it's pre- her name's Jane. And she's played, played by, by the talented Deborah Winger. The, the wickedly talented. <laughs> the wickedly talented. Adele Dazim. Um, Adele <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Deborah Winger's great, man. Officer oh, and Gentleman. Uh, you know what movie I love her in? What? You've probably never seen it. It's called Forget Paris. Uh, nope. Uh, yeah. I don't think I've seen it. It's not a great movie. It is a decent movie. It's her and Billy Crystal. Check it out. Anyways, they're riding around on their bus, and they get pulled over by the cops. And it's a really good introduction into the character of uh, Jonas Nightingale. Right. He's in handcuffs in the back of a police car trying to turn everything around in his favor. You know, and it ends up, and I think the cop actually gives him a donation by the time he leaves. (laughs) Yes, yes, he gets a donation, yes. And he got some shirts and a Bible and stuff, and he, you know, he bought the merch. So it, it goes from being arrested... To not only not getting arrested, you know, he made some money off the guy. Right. It just shows you who he is. He can totally, he's got the gift of gab, let's say. Yeah, he is a, what you call, yeah, gift gab, cold reader. He's uh Right, cold reader's a good one, too. You can, you de- he definitely has that con artist gene in him. And he's good. Definitely. Yep. He's real good. Um, And right after that scene, they're, they're driving around and their bus breaks down in a right. small, poor... Uh, afflicted, I would say, town in Kansas called Rustwater, which is Rustwater, Kansas. Which the film was actually done in Texas, was actually shot in Texas, different places. So, I think that's always cool when they do that because you're gonna have, tell. Must have been West Texas. It must have been because it was de- definitely dry. Nowhere in stinking Kansas do I know it looked that dry. But anyway, right? Yeah. And where I'm at in Texas is not dry at all. No. No. <laughs> no. So they're in desperate need of rain. They have this high unemployment rate. The banks are coming, foreclosing on farms, and the town's just falling to pieces, right? Right. And they're right. Twenty-seven percent unemployment rate. And it's kind of amazing. We'll talk about it at the end. But Steve Martin's character kind of ends up saving this town. <laughs> you know, yeah. Which is through no. He wasn't trying to. Right, he was trying to take him for all they were worth. I think, and I think that's what kind of leads to the really cool ending of this all because you can see he's fighting a lot of what's going on. But sure, um, but anyways, continue, continue. So they're in Rustwater. They first thing they do is go into a diner, and Philip Seymour Hoffman has to steal all the chips because that's what you do. Which did we mention? Philip Seymour Hoffman's in this movie. We did not. He looks like the same exact character he plays in Twister. Twister, right? Yep, I saw. I, th- I thought that. I was like, Same oh, hat. I, I totally forgot that he was in this too. I was like, oh yeah. yeah. 
Man. Uh, so they go to the diner, and he's, Steve Martin immediately starts hitting on the waitress. And her name's uh, Merva, is that right? Merva was her grandmother's name. She oh. was with the necklace of a grandmother's name, but yeah, so... So he starts hitting on her, and it's not going well. And it turns out, you know, there's a reason why she's not falling for any of his bull crap. Marva. 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 Right. And uh, she ain't putting up with this crap. Right. So then they have to go. They go from the diner. They go to the sheriff because they want to get the permits. And uh, the sheriff is played by... Liam Neeson. He's got a certain set of skills, you know. Uh, Yes. Acting happens to be one of them. Acting. Yeah. So Sheriff, yeah. Sheriff Will Braverman's a, a skeptic. He doesn't want uh, old Jonas Nightingale and his troop of misfits to come in here and start taking all the town's money. He knows how hard the town has it. Right. So he's... Uh, he's skeptical. Yeah, he's, he's more than skeptical. He is downright... Uh, his BS meter's going off here. Right, and he's rightly skeptical, which is an interesting dynamic for the movie because you would think that the protagonist would be Steve Martin, right? Right, but you kind of have to root against him because he's an absolute jerk. <laughs> right. So it's it's an interesting dynamic to be played. So, um, Deborah Winger kind of schmoozes old Liam Neeson, and uh, they get their permit. Yes, they do. Oh, uh, so they they get some people. They start putting up the big old tent, which is pretty actually pretty impressive. Yeah, it is. It's cool. You know the awesome the, the cool part about that is the choir singing as they're doing it. Yeah, the. That was a sweet song, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I was going to sing some, but I can't (laughs) sing. Are you ready for a miracle? We'd have to take a pretty big leap of faith. Ah. Uh, That's two. Game's over. (laughs) (laughs) It's horrible. (laughs) So uh, they start doing the tent revivals, and it's it's huckster crap. It's exactly what you'd expect it to be. You know, oh, you're healed. He's touching him on the neck and on the head and pushing him over and all this stuff, and... Right. They they pull in four grand from the first show. And that kind of pisses off the old uh, Liam Neeson sheriff. Yes, it does. And so he goes and he tries to investigate a little bit about old uh, Jonas Nightingale. And he, he Did figures, you, do you remember Do you remember them saying how much it costs for them a day to 3, keep the production? 3500 bucks. So when they made that, I was like, man, that's only 500 clear and that's not too terribly much. But anyways, go ahead. That might be, 3500 might be the minimum they, they can make and still make a profit. Well, okay, gotcha. Keep going. Yep. So, <clears throat> old uh, Liam Neeson, using his particular set of skills, decides that, uh, or he finds <laughs> out that Jonas Nightingale is actually a guy named Jack Newton. Jack Newton. Good old Jack. Jack wasn't really a good dude. He's Jack orphan, wasn't a good dude at all. Orphan. Uh, getting petty crime, 15 to 18. He lived a complete life of crime, including theft. Grand Theft Auto, drug possession, and when he got older, it didn't get any better. Um, and this seems to, at first, really hurt old uh, Steve Martin, Jonas Nightingale's feelings, and he's like, oh, he found me out. And he, he, but then he smiles at Deborah Winger. Gives her that he, wry smile. Right. And, and what's he, he turns, do, Adam? He turns her around. Of course he does, because he's a huckster, man, and he's good he, at it. He is good. And the Lord has shown him the lie. And he's like, I'm... You should listen to me because I've walked that bad path and I know better. It's it's actually and he gets to the point. He's like, I'm the king of sinners. I was like, ooh, <laughs> right. <laughs> but yeah, you know, <clears throat> and it's you know, it's basically what Paul says in the Bible, right? I'm the worst of these things. But anyways, chief, yep, chief of sinners. Mm-hmm. So 
Uh, not only does he do that, and he, he flips the crowd back to his side, he gives back all the collections for the day. And uh, along with the collections, he gives people, he has his people, who are spread throughout the crowd, give extra money to some people so that he can uh, totally play on the whole, you give a little, you get back more. Right. Prosper gospel. Prosperity gospel. The prosperity yeah. gospel. And so these people are You like, sow a seed, brother. Just sow a seed. <laughs> yeah. and I'll send you this cloth. Oh. God will return that gift. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's always one of those, a channel. I don't know what channel it is, but it's an infomercial, basically. And it's on when I'm at the gym every day. And I just, it just makes me sad. I say BTN. Yeah, BTN. I have no idea. No, no, TBN. Trinity Broadcasting, a big, big 10 network. Yeah. The big <laughs> network. That school, those schools suck. No, it's oh, uh, man. a broadcasting network. Yeah. You know, you could kind of say that. Going to college is like prosperity gospel. Uh, for for <laughs> for the school. <laughs> sure. Just give us all your money. We'll make your life better. Do they really? So, so us a C. We'll give you a diploma, and it will come back to you probably not in this economy. We're not going to give you any of the training you need. <laughs> Anyways, right. we could complain about this stuff all day. But let's get back to the movie. Yes. So he's got the, the crowd, the people of the town. He's got them hook, line, and sinker now. Yes, he does. He's proved that. You know, the prosperity works. If they give a little, they get some. He's got them all on board. He's he's doing his, his thing and touching them with the glow-in-the-dark ink and stuff. And right. I mean, he's doing all the all the tricks in his book. And they are buying a hook, line, and sinker. Right. And uh, while this is all going on and during the daytime, right, Jane, his assistant slash partner, and the sheriff are getting to know each other. And they're kind of falling for each other. And... Uh, Braverman kind of like asks her to quit and stay. And she's like, you just met me. And he's like, yeah, I'm a quick study. And, but you know, it's kind of what she wants too. She wants kind of a simple life. Right. You know? And I mean, Steve Martin even went and got her a dog because it's something she wanted. And it's just like such a simple desire to have a dog, but it's not something that's right. uh, really feasible for her. Cause she's on the road. Right. But he got it for her anyways. And you know, you can tell that that's a lust she has in her life is to just be still. You know what I mean? Right. So that's the subplot that's going on there. And then in the other subplot with uh, Marva, yep. um, she's got a brother. And uh, Steve Martin kind of makes friends with the brother. And the brother's name is Boyd. And it yes. turns out after their game of chess and his flirting with his sister that Boyd is on crutches. And he had an auto accident. And he had to sit there in the car with his dead parents for four hours. Yeah, hit by a trucker. Yeah, drunk. Trunk. Yeah. Drunk trucker. Right. And the doctors couldn't help him. There's nothing they could do. So here's here's where it comes in as to why Marva hates huckster preachers. Right. So they was... sent him to a tent revival just like that one or a preacher yeah. that said he could heal. And said his... Yeah. Go ahead. No, no, sorry. <laughs> I keep jumping in. No, go ahead. You know, I get to this point because, like, I, I resonate with this point. I'm going to pause right here. and I picked this movie, one, because I knew you would enjoy it, and two... It strikes a personal chord with me a little bit, right? Um, but they were told basically when he went to go see this preacher that his faith wasn't strong enough. Yeah, that's why that's why he wasn't healed, right? Uh-huh. And a little backstory, right? When my dad passed away, right? One of my sisters, Tara, had a really rough time with it, of and course. she went on this. Yeah, she went on this trip, and um, basically, like this kid tells her on this bus on this trip, doesn't know Tara or my dad from a hole in the wall, right? And basically tells her. Well, God called your dad home. God allowed your dad to die because 
he was done doing anything good, and from this point on, he would have done bad or evil. <laughs> right. I mean, that is a horrible thing to say to somebody who just lost their dad, like, literally, like, a month ago. Completely right? unbiblical thing to say. Completely. So, anyways, it just goes to show, like, uh, when people pretend. So, uh, like yeah. I said, I picked this one for a lot, for, for a couple reasons. That, that was kind of one of them, because, yeah, um, when people take that role and pretend like they know, or even they purposely don't know, and they, they play it anyways. They don't realize the lives that it hurts or touches. Or I think in the case of this preacher, that down-talked old Boyd, or even the dumb kid on the bus, uh, the saddest version of it all, Adam, is that they think they know and they think they're right. Right, right. Yeah, that's kind of... But anyways, so go ahead. So Yeah, so anyways, uh, so that's why this sister is so anti, um, you know, the, the, the preacher. So, yeah. So you're setting up... Um, foreshadowing that Boyd, who's filled with faith, yet still walks with crutches, um, they have a little uh, interaction when Steve Martin's out running in his belly shirt. Right. Long pants and a cowboy hat. And jeans. I don't know if they were jeans, but they were definitely long pants. They were jeans. (laughs) And his cut-off sweatshirt. Right. Above the navel. His belly shirt. Yeah, oh yeah. It was a thing back in the day. I'm sure you had one. It was. No, I didn't, but it was. (laughs) What? (laughs) <laughs> so they have a they have a little uh, an interaction, and uh, Boyd is lifting some weights to get his arm strong, and he's like, "I kind of have to do it because yeah, my legs don't work." And they basically what it comes down to is Steve Martin says, "It's not your lack of faith that's keeping you in that chair, and it's not God that's keeping you in the chair, or that's keeping it. you off your legs. It it just happened, you know, and it, it just right. is what it is. And the sooner you accept that, the sooner you'll be happy." And then right. Boyd says, "I think things happen for a reason." Yeah, and then probably the greatest line. The zinger, I should say. Sure. He goes, you go ahead and think that. I'm going to go run. Right. I'm going to run. <laughs> and, and it's, it's, fun with your crutches, kid. <laughs> uh, sorry. It's honestly, not fun. we're going to go, I'm going to dive into it. That might be the most biblical thing said in the whole movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was definitely people well, it was go ahead and think that everything happens for a reason if they want to i'm just gonna go run right you know that's well that goes to the thing you could overanalyze everything in life sure. i mean is everything for a reason is there a reason why no. we're doing this right now instead of something else And you could over spiritualize here's the thing there's an idea right famous idea nathan barry's grandmother used to always say so heavenly minded no earthly good yeah so heavenly minded, no earthly good. And a lot of preachers like to use it, but that's the thing. We say, well, it's God's plan. And the meanwhile, we just, we, well, I'm just right. <laughs> but we hit the pause button because we, we think that no other possible reason could happen other than right. we, we are just meant to do nothing now. No, no. God never calls you to do nothing. God calls you to be active. Um, but you act like, they act like they're bumper bowling. Exactly. So but no, uh, make your own choices, dude. <laughs> Live with right. those choices. Uh, try to seek wisdom and guidance if you want, but it, the choices are always, and they will always, be up to you. Yes. And that's basically what Steve Martin's saying, is, right. go ahead. If you want to sit here and, you know, beat yourself up all day about how you have such little faith that that's why you can't walk, go ahead. But I'm just going to go run. Right. Which is like yeah. a super awesome dig at the fact that he can't run. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I said it's like a zinger, my favorite one. Uh, so on and on we go. So Steve Martin runs in his sweet shirt that I'm almost jealous of. 
<laughs> and it's setting up the fact that obviously Boyd's going to end up at the revival asking to be healed. Right. Right. And he does show up at the revival the next and final night. Now that everybody is bought in hook, line, and sinker, they've been on uh, TV, and uh, there's thousands of people showing up, which is what I was getting at earlier is that he kind of inadvertently saves the town. All these businesses are now selling all kinds of stuff. Um, yeah. the, the diner's full instead of being completely empty. You know what I mean? Yeah. Everybody's making money here and there. Which goes back to the very beginning. And this whole thing is setting up for the very end of the movie, which is really cool. Right. But go ahead. So he inadvertently saves the town. Um, and it's the last night, and he puts on the biggest show that he can. And uh, at, at the end, Boyd makes his way up to the stage, and he's like, come on, Rev, what about me? And uh, Steve Martin grows a conscience in all this time. You know, you can see it happening slowly through the movie, but at this point, right. he just can take no more, and he's like, no. He's like, I can't. Uh, the Lord's done working with me today. Obviously an excuse, just so he doesn't have to fail this kid that he's grown to like, and right. he leaves. Not to mention the obstacle that comes from it because of the previous ex- the, the previous faith healer in this kid's life. Right. He doesn't want to. He doesn't want to do to this kid what the other day, dude did. Well, not that, but I think. Don't get me wrong. While he's growing a conscience, he's still a performer. He's still sure. a con artist, and this is the one thing that could unravel the whole con. So, oh, that's true I think too. there's. I think there's a dueling con- conflict there. Well, I'll fail at the con, but also I feel bad if I let this kid's feelings right. down. You know, I think so, you're right. It's a definitely right. mixed, probably right. evenly of both. Like exactly, yeah. If so. I do this and it doesn't work, the fix is in, man, and I'm done because the <laughs> right. news is here. Exactly. You know, so, this is. Ugh. I think it's, it's like a little surgeons bit surgeons who don't want to operate because they know it might not go well. But you're right because he is developing feelings, not just for this kid, but for his sister. Right. Well, you know, and the feelings doesn't... might be just loyal for the sister, but he genuinely likes this kid. Right. That's what I'm saying, though. I mean, but it's all tied together. So, but keep going. Um, so one sec. Okay. So he's, uh, he denies, uh, to help Boyd. He leaves the stage, but everyone in the whole arena or the tents, like just one, one more. more, just one more, one more, one more. So he, he gets conned basically to go back in. Right. Right. The irony of it all. And, uh, Boyd just starts like crutching himself up to the, the crucifix. All right. Which we kind of skipped over the fact that Jonas went and painted the eyes open on the crucifix and called it a miracle. That's why the news was there. Right. And he denied doing it. He just claimed a miracle, so the news showed up. That's why everyone's there to see the, the miracle that happened. Yeah. Um. So Boyd starts walking up to the crucifix. He's not even looking at Jonas. And Jonas starts spinning immediately. He's He knows it's going to fail. He knows it's not going to work. So he... Works his little mouth magic, blaming the Sheriff Braverman, who said, it's because of him, it's because of his skepticism and his failure to believe that Boyd's not going to get healed, and you're going to have to say that to this boy. And Boyd walks up and touches the crucifix and actually gets healed. All right. And you can see the look on Steve Martin's face. He's like, what? How in the world? (laughs) And his first immediate reaction is, these two conned me. The boy and his sister conned me. And he even goes back into the back into the bus, and he's just angry. And he's like, I can't believe I fell for it. They're good. Oh, they had all the details right, but they conned me. And you, know, you can tell he's just spiraling at this point because he just doesn't want to admit the simple fact that it was a miracle, let's say. Right. Right. And uh, he ticks off Jane because she comes in there to try to comfort him, and she leaves. 
she goes back to be with old uh, Liam Neeson because he's got a very particular set of skills. That's what I hear. <laughs> oh, and uh, uh, Jonas just kind of pouts. Then when everybody's gone, he goes back into the tent and he starts preaching the sermon of his heart, which is why'd you make so many suckers? Right. And, right. You know, the old adage when you're pointing one finger, three are pointing right back to you. Right. right. And he, it's the guilt and it's the pain he's feeling in this moment. And, the revelation that's happening that is he a sucker? Did he fall for it? Um, Is he starting to buy into his lies about God and about what's real? And it's very hard for him. And then Boyd's in there. Right. And Boyd's like, I just kind of want to hang out with you. I want to go with you on the road. I can earn my keep and stuff. And uh, Jonas says no, because people can spot one thing above all else, above the lies, above the manipulation. They can spot the genuine article. And he said, you, son, are the genuine article. He's like, I'm a fake. Everything I do is a fake. And he's finally admitting all this out loud, right, for the first time in the movie. Right. And he says, you got to go. And he goes, he kind of tricks him and says, I'll be there at 10 in the morning in the diner. We'll talk about this more tomorrow. And he goes, cool, and leaves. And Marva comes in, and Jonas says, you know what, man? Just tell the boy that just because I didn't show up doesn't mean I don't have feelings for him. Right setting everything up for the fact that he's gone. Right. He's, he's leaving town. And he, when he walks out the tent after that, he sees that everyone is, like, happy. There's tons of people camping, campfires going. They all came there from who knows where. Thousands right. and thousands of people enjoying the company of each other, praying, reading the Bible, singing songs, having a good time. And it's something that he did. He brought them all there. It, it might have been under, like, false pretenses. Right. You can see all the good that he did. So he's like, I'm the bad thing here. I'm the bad part of all this. He decides he's going to leave. Right. So he writes a goodbye note to Jane, leaves it on his sparkly jacket, uh, <laughs> in, uh, the cab with a trucker, headed to Pensacola, Florida. Pensacola, Florida. Yes, sir. Never been there. <laughs> and the trucker says, you in some kind of trouble? <laughs> you know, for the first time, nope. Yep. And as they're riding along, what happens, buddy? It starts raining cats and dogs. It starts raining cats and dogs, saving the crop. Tell you what, man, and then a genuine miracle happens for the second time. I think the rain might have just been coincidence, however. <laughs> right, right. Which, you know, I think, uh, sorry, go ahead, finish, we'll, we'll share things well, up. that's it, they're driving down the road, and you, I don't know if this is, if they make Jonas say this as a condition of his heart. In that his belief is solidified with the rain, but he right. he does praise God out the out of the window. He says, "Thank you, Jesus." Right. I don't know if that's just uh, him being sarcastic <clears throat> or if it's him Here's... being genuine. They don't they don't ever tell you what's in the note he left to Jane. They don't really tell you where his heart's at. I know as he left. So here's my thing, right? And this is what I took away from the movie. Okay, now I realize interpretation may be totally different than intentionality. With the filmmakers, with the screenwriters, with Steve Martin, whoever. I think this movie screams to the fact that people want faith, right? Well, they just want something to believe in, right? Well, that they want something real to believe in. Like, I mean, you can believe in anything you want to believe in. You can believe in this church of SpongeBob if you want to, right? But I think people generally want faith in something real. 
And when I say something real, I'm not talking about a physical object. I'm talking about something that actually adds value on some level we can't describe. Yeah. We can't um, fully comprehend. And this whole movie, I think about it. How does this whole movie start, right? This whole movie starts them just going down the road, okay? Mm-hmm. And what happens? What do you mean? We, what, they, they get, get pulled over? They get pulled over after that. What happens? They're, they get pulled over. They start driving down the road. They're heading uh-huh. to where? Where they're, are they heading, they're heading to Topeka, right? And then they're, they're they get a flat tire. They get a well. Well, something flat, happens to the truck. One of the semis actually has a part, and they got to wait four days. So here's the thing: I think, right? And uh, anybody who's listening, share with me. This is what I love about this film. Okay. Yeah. I one it, it testifies to people needing something more. Now you know me; I'm a believer in Christ and my Christian faith. And um, while I can't make everybody believe. I can't convince everybody. I think within us, everybody's looking for something at least, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think this movie is pointing towards that something. Maybe they don't describe it exactly for what you and I would describe it as, but they're reaching for something. This truck breaks down into a town, and while they have all the intentions of going to Pika and conning somebody out, right? Um, you could say the divine, the almighty God, Jesus had a totally this different was providence, not accident. God took the con artist and he used it. doesn't matter how smart, how slick, how wise, how crooked you are for that, which is intended for evil. God can use for good. And right. here is this guy who breaks down, saves the city. And like you said, at the very end, he's looking around and he says, the only problem here is me. Not only does through the truck breaking down and rust water kansas is saved um at the very end of it all you could very well say you know the very last act of the movie where he's like praise jesus right, right. any so any whole, tool can be used even that tool <laughs> right and so <laughs> i don't think it's very hard to look at this and just say you know what this whole movie screams that idea i think whoever wrote it whoever used it I think while they might have been making fun of a lot of the prosperity, you know, faith healing uh, nonsense that was going on during the 80s and the 90s, I think to some extent, though, everybody has some level in them. They want to believe in something, sure. right? Well, and it I think it's ingrained I, in us, right? Right, and I think they played that awesomely. I think the under the the undertones and the crazy hidden message of this whole movie was the fact that um, faith happened. Whether he wanted it to or not, whether he could acknowledge it or not till the end of the show, faith happened in saving of a town. Faith happened in whether it was Jane kind of getting the life she wanted, whether the boy getting the, the, the healing he wanted or the town being saved or the rain right. coming. Faith happened. Brought all those people together. Yeah. So, I mean, despite that was not their plan and it has to point to a divine, um, some kind of divine faith. So I thought it was. I thought it was really cool the way the whole movie, just the undertones was like that. That's why I love right. this. I would, the way I wrote it down in my notes here is that it was an interesting dynamic of the struggles between uh, like the real and the spiritual. Right. And why can't they both be the same thing and why do they have to be separate? Right. You know? So, yeah, with that, there are a lot of things I dislike about the movie. Sometimes throughout it, I do almost feel like, man, they're... If it wasn't for how that ends, I'd have a really hard time with this movie getting away with what they were trying to get away with, like from a plot standpoint. You know what I mean? Um, well, you know, it's not like groundbreaking as far as the plot goes. You can see some of stuff know. coming, but I'm just saying, from just a just a personal religious perspective, I know you sure. could almost 
except for that very last part where Connor says, yep, faith is real to Santa. Christmas is real, you know, at the it's very end. like in spite of everything he was doing. Right. A real and faith I, experience happened with all these people. That saves it for me. <laughs> but at the but if that moment in the truck didn't happen, right? If the rain didn't come, he didn't look out the window and say that, I would look at this movie and I'd have a really hard time and be like, Okay, they're just making a pop shot at the real things that are of Christianity. So you think if I, he didn't have an experience at the end, it wouldn't have been the same for you? I, I don't think so because I think why the experience at the end makes the whole movie point towards there is some kind of faith, something greater than ourselves. There is something out there we can't define, we can't explain that makes us all feel like bamboozled almost because we can't grasp it, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Yeah. And I think that's that's a really good way to put it. Exactly. Because, I mean, faith does take a little bit of, of, it takes a lot of ignorance. (laughs) Acceptance of that. Yeah, I don't know everything. Exactly. So, um, take that away. I would have saw this as just people poking fun at faith, but I think at the the very end, it even says, you know, we had a lot of fun with faith, but there is still something about it that is true, and I was I was fine with it. I was like, I'm good. This is gotcha. an awesome flick. So yeah, you know, yeah. If he is the protagonist of the movie. Oh, um, for, so, for so sure. To deny him, to absolutely uh, deny his ability to see what was right in front of him would have been a shame. All right. So like, it's almost like, you know, if this movie is positing that God will use anyone for anything, you know, for him to not see that, you know, would be would be stupid. Right. So. But yeah, um, like I, I found this movie like really deeply affecting to me, like because of the way uh, Christianity is portrayed in this country nowadays. And it's yeah. it's Christianity's fault. Let's be honest. Right. Yes. And it's for a lot of the reasons uh, that you don't like Steve Martin in this movie. You know, how can you do, how can you tell the huckster from the other, you know, a genuine, the genuine article, right? When there's no difference between anything. And, and I think most people are probably like he was, they're pretenders. And meanwhile, like they're so unsure about so many things, they rely on this regurgitation of rhetoric that I'm always talking about and these practiced phrases and it gets, gets them through and they're, and it boosts their confidence. And meanwhile, like to admit to themselves and others that they don't exactly know, right. uh, it would be, probably be better for everybody. Just right. like you said, like to say, like, this is just, I have to believe this one on faith. Right. Because there's just going to be no good enough answer for you. You know, the funny thing is for me, and you kind of talk about it, though, like, uh, like for me, my, my experience in the in Christianity is unique sure. from most people's. It's unique. Um, I have a perspective that most people don't. Not because I'm great, not because I'm smart or anything, but just because my life experience has led me to a path that few have. You know what sure. I mean? Um, I think that's so, genuinely how it works for everyone. Right. And, you know, even from the standpoint of, of <laughs> I don't want to say leading the circus. <laughs> right. You know, but at some level it is. You're orchestrating, even from a pastoral point, right? Um, you're orchestrating everything to actually come together as best as possible so people can experience that faith. Not in a snake oil type way, but people generally need a push sometimes. And so for me watching this movie, while I see he's constantly pushing people, maybe it's towards the means that he wants to accomplish. Mm-hmm. I look at this, and, and like you said, there are a lot of people out there in the faith that don't do it, that do it his way. They don't do it to give people a general push in the way of faith. Right. They do it to give the people a general push and belief of themselves. 
like of the yeah. of the preacher. And for most people that don't know, I don't know how many people listen to the podcast. I was a pastor, right? Yeah. Um. So I know, like some, to some extent, I'm not saying there are smoke and mirrors. That's not it. But there is some kind of level that you need to almost convince people. Um. I don't say we're walking billboards for Jesus, but we are definitely the articles of authentication. You know what I mean? Okay. And there are some things you have to do so that people can be drawn in. And he does a lot of that stuff. And as much as you want to look at it and say, well, he's doing it to con people, there is some level of realism to it. I mean, that's why we do the most modern praise and worship song versus just an organ. You know what I mean? Because at some point, you are taking this leap of faith <laughs> that you, yeah, I know. I wasn't actually meaning to do it that time. <laughs> taking this leap of faith that you can pull people into believing something that is greater than themselves. Right. Um, so, but anyways, but like you said, there are a lot of people that, that, that do it in a false sense. There are a lot of people that do if, it. If I were to measure what I said based on what you said, I think they can meet in the middle where as a pastor, you say you were a pastor, but I kind of think of you still as one. I don't think right. it's something you can just get to throw away, you weirdo. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> like, uh, we're talking in biblical terms now. You, you want to talk about taking on someone's yoke, right? Right. Which means it's going back to like. Um, their belief system. And the point of you as a pastor is that you want people to take on Jesus's yoke, not yours. Right, exactly. Back in the day, uh, you would take on a certain rabbis, right? That's where they get this term from is, I follow rabbi so-and-so, so so I kind of believe what he says, not kind of what rabbi so-and-so over here says. His is kind of, Mm -hmm. you know, So, but you want it to be like a universal thing, whereas it's not Adam's yoke, it's Jesus's (laughs) yoke. And, it's all spelled out for you in the Bible, what to say and how to do it. So it's really all you have to do is point them the right way. Right. But you're talking about people who desire people to follow their yoke. Exactly. And that's what you were saying. There are a lot of people out here that have damaged Christianity, that have damaged things because they do take that idea of, oh, well, if you follow my ministry, if you look at what I tell you to do or how I tell you to do it, or you sow that seed or if you buy that cloth, you know, if you yeah. – <laughs> if, if you take that holy water that we have bottled from the creek back right, yeah, <laughs> back yeah. behind the church, you know, it's those people that make it incredibly difficult. And so I think this movie shows a little bit of that, but I love how at the end they just do that tiny little twist. You know right, what I mean? He ends up having a real faith experience. I think so. And it has nothing to do with what he did. I, th- I Exactly. So, I mean, um, so even from my perspective, that's a little bit different than – another person's right um i can still look at this and see man this is a great film this is really good you know, this is a really good movie it's fun to watch exactly it's really good yeah you know <laughs> and i like how like he lies to everybody even the people in his crew remember he's he's like i was born in a, a little tiny shack in the appalachian mountains and the one singer right. says the other one he told me his daddy made or invented teflon right <laughs> he, he doesn't tell anyone the truth right. and it also makes me wonder like how much does his uh is Jane, Jane know about him. Right. You know, which I think goes to show once again, he wants to have a genuine, he wants to have a genuine experience. Right. right. I think people know when they're peddling crap, whether it's religious, whether it's personal, I think people want to have a genuine interaction, relationship experience, and we will peddle crap to have it sometimes. Not adversely, not knowing that we're just distancing ourselves from the genuineness when we do it. And that's what the, he's doing throughout the whole movie. So um, I would like to sit down with Steve Martin, talk to him about this, actually. 
Yeah, I think it'd be, it'd be a sweet conversation to have. Could we get him on the podcast next week, you huh. think? <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. But, yeah, that, you know, <laughs> let's wrap this up, buddy. All right. <laughs> what would you think, uh, what would you give this movie? On a, Tell a you rating? what, IMDb gave it 6 out of 10. I think that's a little low. Right. I give this movie a probably, <sighs> it's got everything I like. You know, it's got the it's got the seriousness. It's got the joking. It's got some of the funny moments in there. It's got the uh, creative writing. It's got the acting. I give this a seven five or an eight. I'm going to lean towards an eight out of ten on this one. Okay, I'm going to give it seven point five. No, you're not. Yep. No. Hey, just take this leap of faith. All right. Oh, I snuck one in there. (laughs) Yes, you did. You stooped down to that level. I did. I had to, uh, but it's it's a very good movie. It's fun to watch. Um, if you take something from it, you do. If you don't, you don't. You can just be enjoyed by the comic stylings of old Steve Martin. Yes. Uh, few and far, not many like him around right now. Oh, no. And it'd be great to see him, maybe even Rick Moranis come back. Right. And I love to watch movies with great character actors, you know. Martin Short. Yeah, you know, like Philip Seymour Hoffman. He was an amazing character actor. Right. You know, like a lot of these people are. Pee Wee Herman. <laughs> I don't mean like playing a character, <laughs> you know. And it, it's just great that like right. someone like uh, Matthew McConaughey, who, who had to be pushed into the leading man thing, he's right. got a leading man face, but he's definitely a character actor as far as his skills go. He's a really great right. actor. Right. And I'm just glad he gets to do those movies now. Right. It and is. He, he can cool do mud, and he can do the Free State of Jones, and he doesn't have to do stupid wedding planner. Right, half baked or whatever it is, you know, all the time. Same with like Colin Farrell and Brad Pitt. You know, those those guys are all great actors. Who, by the way, can't wait to see Fantastic Beasts and where to find I mean, them for real, right? Right. Uh, yeah. So that's so cool. seven and a half. That's a good number. That's a good number, man. Watch it and enjoy. Yes. Yes. So for next and week, us... uh, you know, what do you want to do, bud? Well, hold on. Before we do that, watch the movie. Let us know what you think. You can reach out to us on our Facebook oh, page, yeah, which, which is Joe. Uh, Facebook.com slash PO podcast. And guess what? We also Twitter tweet a little bit, which is Joe at PO underscore ED podcast. And this works great because I can never remember them. That's right. And our, our <laughs> Gmail, if you just want to write in, uh, yep. is at uh, PO podcast at gmail.com. Yeah. All at good stuff. Gmail.com. Yeah. I think we have one follower on our Facebook page. Yeah. I think, is, is I think that's me. <laughs> Yeah, you know, for now we're I'm, doing this just for us. But I'm going to take a leap of faith here and say this Ooh, one's going to give us. You did it again. <laughs> I said I wouldn't. I said I wouldn't, but I so corny. I you couldn't. know what you really need, buddy, just to make your life better? What's that? Some aluminum siding. <laughs> Some aluminum siding because that's just what everybody does now. That's right. At all, never anymore. <laughs> oh, boy. All right, so for next week. As we mentioned, uh, we, we both enjoy the reconnaissance, right? How he's come back and he's starting to win Oscars and do all that. Yeah, he's actually doing real acting, not real acting, but he's being seen as a real actor now, well, which is nice. What he's always been. You know, he starts off with a time to kill, and then where'd he go? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, so we're, let's do one of those bad ones that we don't really like. Um, uh, Failure to Launch with him and Sarah Jessica Parker and a naked Terry Bradshaw. Terry Bradshaw's hilarious, by the way. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. So that's what we'll be doing for next week. Perfect. So join us next week as we do a failure to launch. Right. Yes. I'm Joe. 
And I am <sighs> Adam. You know what we're going to have to do one time, Joe? It just came to me. Escape from L.A. Okay, that is a bad movie. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we, we will have to. Sorry, it <laughs> just just came to me, man. Oh. All right, so we'll see you guys next week. Uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening, and as always, yay, Michael Bay. I've become what I despise. <laughs> <laughs>